On this week's episode of the Fabrication Podcast, I'm extremely happy to have Colette Phillip with me, who is uh, an old friend I used to work with at, at Leah Burnett. But um, funnily enough, since leaving Leah Burnett, she's someone I've found myself reaching out to for sort of advice and just general chit chats all about branding and strategy. And I've been overwhelmed by her, basically her generosity, but also her, she's so sharp and spot on with her judgment. And she's one of the few people I genuinely sort of trust the opinion of if I'm out struggling in a business decision. So, and, and I'm, I'm afraid often I, I do enjoy talking. We often get very sidetracked about all sorts. So I thought it'd be great to get Colette on because she's experienced in all types of brand strategy, personal branding. And she also runs a very successful agency herself. And I thought that, you know, her sharing her journey and giving tips on how to evolve from freelancing to running your own studio and how to build a compelling personal brand um, are really valuable. So um, that's that's it, Colette. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you. I'm sorry. So I'm, I blown guess... away by... I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm blown away by that, but thank you. <laughs> no, it's kind of true. It's it's a bit awkward. I can't like look at people when I say it, but I just have to be sincere. So it's uh, yeah, that's it really. But it's true. I mean, like I said, I have, a, I have a huge amount of time for you. I always did at Leah Burnett, but it was that weird thing of we've both evolved since then. Mm. And and it is true. I, I value your opinion because I think you're very talented at what you do and you're very direct and honest. And that is refreshing. I think you'll, you know, you will call me if I'm pontificating <laughs> or getting too distracted by rubbish. And I really respect your opinion because you're very successful at particularly complex brand strategy. So, yeah, no, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Great. So I think um, for the audience, it's always good just to have a kind of background run through of kind of, um, you know, I always like to start with a sort of overview of of your story, I guess, of how Mm. you got started and where you are now. And then we can dive into kind of brand strategy and personal brand building. Uh, Okay, Uh, so... Where I started, and I guess where the story is funny, where I started, um, so I've told the story differently over the years, but now where I start starts with university, just because it's the first time that I really encountered the concept of brand. So I did business and German at uni, and I hate, I, no, I liked lots of my degree. I hated the finance stuff. I really liked the marketing stuff and I specifically liked one module we did halfway through my second semester of my final year, which is all about brand. And the other thing about uni is I got the opportunity to work um, in, for a year in marketing while I was at uni. So we have to do a year's placement. And that at that time, it kind of, I liked, again, the idea of marketing and the fun bits, but I didn't necessarily want to work in-house as a marketeer. Um, yeah. And so I at the time when I um I did a, a student in Germany at a paper company, uh, which was obviously thrilling and really brilliant marketing. But it well, did give me some really good experience. But it was when I came back to the UK and I got a little placement at Sellotape, which is actually a brand and a really good and interesting brand and a really yeah. one with challenges. And I got to work on that and that was really cool. And my boss at the end of it said, "You know what? You are. I think you're really good and you're really good at the creative side." why don't you look at doing advertising and That's so true. and this is sellotape the sellotape this is like sellotape yeah it's an actual brand like and they oh. actually yeah it was really cool so yeah and it is and the product itself it's one of those things it's a bit like 
a Hoover, right? Like we call yeah. everyone calls it Hoover, but actually they've got Tesco Value one or whatever. It's the same thing with sellotape. We all call it sellotape, but very few people have the branded sellotape. And the branded sellotape is absolutely brilliant. It's not it's not the same as the crappy sticky pound shop stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And I know I say that and I sound like a geek, but I actually do now buy still buy sellotape, actual branded stuff. Not I treat crap. myself to sellotape. Yeah, I, I do. It, it's, a, it's a premium product. And it, there's a whole load of lessons that I learned in that sort of three months that I worked there. I learned some big lessons about brand even then and was really interested in it and really fascinated by it. So, um, and then I... I started as a grad. So I applied for um, graduate training schemes in various sort of agencies. I just applied. I didn't really under, I didn't really know a lot about advertising, but my boss, who I trusted, told me to go into it. So I just did. I didn't really know a lot about it. I didn't know about the roles. So at the time you were given a choice, creative or um, account handling. And because I hadn't done art school or anything and I'd done business, it's just account handling. And um, and then there was I didn't know about strategy or TV production or any of the other roles you now have in um, agencies. I didn't. That wasn't that was an option. Um, so I was an account handler um, for years, and actually I was an account handler in the end for about seven years. Uh, and in my last job then, which was a, a kind of big job, a big agency called Euro at the time, now Havas. I did my role was. Um, I was global account director, but at the time we didn't have a senior planner. So I also did that as well. And that gave me a real insight into strategy. We did a lot of work on brand. It was interesting, and you'll remember this, Thad, that when we worked in advertising, there weren't really the big brand consultancies and they were just doing packaging and packaging agencies and design. They weren't doing yeah. brand in the same way. Brand strategy didn't really exist. We did, as I guess, account handlers and planners, we did some of the brand thinking with our clients to get you guys in creative the brief because actually yeah. if you understand it if we're asking you to advertise something and the brand has got loads of knots in it and often you would ask us the questions that would that would are, that are the right questions to go back to the clients and kind of work out the brand because ultimately if you're trying to do advertise something and the brand has huge holes in it or is not clear on its audience or you know doesn't have a single-minded purpose whatever that is it's incredibly you can't do any sort of ad you just can't it doesn't make any yeah. sense so from that point of view, you used to find that brand thinking would be done kind of by the advertising agency, but only the bits that you need to do ads. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's and so that's kind of, I guess, my journey through the brand lens. In that, and, and I always loved the bit I always I like two things about working in agency or well, three things. I loved the people and the fast, the bright people you work with. Um I also, but I love brands. I really did. Even it was just so fascinating, and the breadth of, and I think that's where I move around quite a lot. Um, and I even moved within agencies. I even moved account quite a lot. So you know, I worked yeah. on um, Starburst sweets and Clover margarine. I worked on McDonald's. I worked on Always Ultra. I did Clearasil. I did hair removal. I did. Um, I worked on. I then went to a design agency for a bit, and I worked on. Stella Artois and I worked on Birdseye and I just the breadth of brands I worked on and very different and not sexy brands not sexy brands like really sort of plain ones it, but it's just fascinating and I always loved that bit of it but it's the I guess the other the other bit and I think we sort of were starting to talk about this um when we came on the call which is that it wasn't the easiest journey for me so I guess I, I had to work massively hard and a lot harder and you know being frank advertising has still a diversity issue and back then it certainly did so 
being a black woman in advertising agencies, your journey is different and harder than your peers. It just is. You have to, it's always that thing. My parents would say to me, or my maybe my grandparents would say, actually, you are going to need to work harder than anyone else and you can't afford to make mistakes because you'll yeah. be punished more for them. That is absolutely true. That was absolutely my experience working in advertising um, at, you know, the, the agencies I, I worked at. If I did something and, you know, and not even, it's not even as much make a mistake. If something went one on one, my clients, I wouldn't get promoted or I would get, you know, it, I, that would just be taken away from me or I, you'd get blamed for it. If you see yeah. the same thing, thing happening to other people, it'd be like, oh, but the client's really difficult and they'd make excuses. There were no excuses made, which is not a kind of tiny violin story at all because what it did teach me is, well, one, I had to be better. So it gave, made me really good at brands because I had to be. And it yeah. also um, gave me built resilience, which has been massively useful throughout my career because you just don't, you kind of, you, it gives you the ability to bounce back. So, okay, yes, didn't get promoted that time, work harder uh, and then just try again. or okay, fine, it's not going to happen for you at this job, fine, move agency and work on a different brand and work out how your experience from McDonald's translates into Viet and Clearasil and go and, and go and persuade that person to give you that job. And these skills are just really useful. They are just really useful skills. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm going to keep talking unless you interrupt me. So I'm going to stop um, there no, and say that's sort of the journey Oh, and I guess the end of the, the journey is that didn't stop there because I said that's seven years. And obviously, um, well, not obviously by my voice, but I've had way more than seven years work experience. Um, I then, um, as finishing in agency world, kind of abruptly, because I sort of all that sort of having to work much harder and push yourself and doing at the time strategy director and global account director job. I just completely burnt myself out. And so then had to revisit really whether that was an industry I wanted to be in. And then I I got a job at Bernardo's as senior marketing manager at that point, then ended up uh, as um, assistant director of comms. But when I joined Bernardo's, the job was marketing, but actually what they needed was someone to help them deliver and and conceive their brand campaigns and work directly with BBH, who were an amazing agency. But at the time, I think the the balance between client and agency wasn't quite right so I think because you have a really strong agency and then you have um maybe a brand that isn't really understood internally you end up with the agency kind of making decisions about the brand based on the advertising and what's going to get good ad and that's not right and that's not something that BBH do at all they're an amazing agency and I loved working with them and but it was what they did at that point because of the I guess the client setup. So when yeah. my role came in, I was that person. I was the person that was was actually responsible for getting my my charity to get their heads around strategy and put the brief together and what that looked like and and how we're going to measure it and what we're going to hold the agency accountable for. And as a result, we just did better work. We did better. It was it had much more impact for the charity. It had way more impact in terms of it meant that as a charity, because our work was having much more impact, we invested more with the agency, which means we just did better stuff. Um, yeah. And so, again, that was another learning in terms of, I guess, for me now, my my consultancy and how I work with my clients and and, and what I how I work with them and, and what responsibility I put on them and how I hold them accountable as much as um, and, and how I kind of build my processes. Um, and yeah. And then from there, I kind of flitted back and forth, commercial charity, commercial charity until I'd sort of done that hit again, the ceiling 
in my career, which is like, okay, I'm just, don't, no one wants to give me a role on the board or as, as that kind of board director role that I want. It's probably time that I just step out altogether and maybe I took a career break and then decided that I'd set up my consultancy brand by me. And that's the journey. And now I'm definitely going to stop talking. No, that's great. It's really insightful because obviously I was um, with you on part of that journey. And I, and I think that a couple of things stood out. I know that when you you talked about having sort of burnout, that sort of exhaustion, what was that like? I mean, how did that feel? Because obviously you're in an industry you've worked extremely hard for and it must be quite tough to feel you're being overlooked and you've got to make this decision. Do I, do I almost, it's the sunk costs of the work. Is this yeah. going to affect what I do with my future? What was that like? I, I it was, it was awful actually. And I now, when I advise anybody about like, you know, sort of um, well-being and, and sort of mental health and making sure that that is right, because if you burn your, and I say this, I mean, I say it to my, my little sister is um, 23 and I say it to my cousins who are in their late 20s. I'm like, the problem is if you burn yourself out, it takes you years to come back from that. It takes you years to build up the confidence again in your career. Um, it was incredibly tough. It was tough you know, on my relationship at that time. It was it tough on my family. Like, yeah, I, I can't I can't really describe how, how awful that was. And and yeah, and on my confidence in my career, I, I actually so I, I burnt out two points. One was when I left advertising, the other point was when I was in charity again because and that was for different reasons. I was so passionate about what I do, but again that wanting to get ahead and push forward and maybe meeting some barriers and then just pushing yourself way too hard. And both times I've had to just, I just had to, I want to revisit everything I did. At one point, I remember in my career just thinking, I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to train as a TEFL teacher. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forget advertising and brand and everything and just train as a TEFL teacher because obviously I am just not right for this industry. And so it does cause you to question everything. I guess, I guess um, the the thing that helps pull you out of it is one, as much as I said, it's hard on your family and relationships. If you have that, if you have, friends around you that go no actually this doesn't make sense if you have people actually if you've made friendships at work or professional friendships that people yeah. can just go actually no no it's not you when you're saying is this just me or you go actually this is not you so I remember um at Bernardo's sorry Bernardo's um they I were there was an organization offering free mentoring but only for people in charities but they'd offer free mentoring and I applied for that and got in and yeah. I remember the insight I got from that mentoring was just really valuable. I remember again, actually, um, and then when I another when I was in a senior charity role at an, an animal charity, um, mm. they gave me some coaching. They said, you know, my training development budget. They said we're going to pay for you to have just three group sessions of coaching. And I remember my coach, and this was one of the best bits of advice I was given. She was like, sometimes when you hit these walls, you just have to hear not you. Because what I used to do is if I said this, and it, it, there is resilience in it, but there's also you have to hear, don't you can't burn yourself out in the attempt to try and get an opportunity. That's just not going to happen. That's not sustainable. Yeah. So um, she said, sometimes you have to hear, not you. And you have to you have to hear it because you have to go, no matter how much you work, no matter how good you are, the person you're looking at is telling you, not you. And you just have to hear that. And it's fine because yeah. it's their loss. And you will get another opportunity. They will lose out on you. And it's fine, but you have to hear it. And she also then was like, sometimes what you're going to hear is the not you is not you because of your skills or ability. It's not you because you're too black for us or 
at the time, not now, you're too young, or um, we just don't think cultural fit. They, these are just words that people are just saying, not you, and just hear it, yeah. just hear not you, and whatever you're going to do, and then that allows you to move on. And that was massively useful. And I guess, you know, when you're facing that sort of burnout and, and questioning everything, look to your friends and family and people that love you, look for professional help, because actually, yeah. otherwise, you end up just throwing away. And I didn't, and this is the big thing I'm really pleased about, is because of the support networks I have, I didn't end up throwing away what now is effectively my superpower, which is my yeah. love and passion for and ability with brand strategy. I've had to reframe it at different points, but I, I sort of was able to stick with it at points where, you know, at one point I just thought, I'm just going to leave this all together. And I'm really pleased that I didn't. No, absolutely. Because I think, it, like you say, it's, it'd be a shame to sort of waste all that. And I, but I, I also think there is this thing of the sunk costs of putting a lot of time into something, and allowing that to almost stay in it when you're in the when it's wrong for you. And I think yeah. like you said, it's kind of if someone's saying not you, having the reflection as, as you've talked about, it's kind of like I need to move careers, I yes. need to change. Yeah. This is I can't force this to happen. Yes. It's not healthy. It's not good for me. Yeah. And so that's interesting. And I think what I like about it is I want to talk about this, but. Um, I always value that kind of tenacity. And I think the setbacks, as you say, they, they make you stronger. It is yeah. that thing of um, you kind of sometimes need them to build that resilience. And, and we certainly see this in, you look at X Factor, it's like a, it's like you're, you're <laughs> given snakes and ladders straight to the top of yeah. it. Yeah. But the lack of those years building up a network and resilience of learning and training your voice means yeah. when it's all gone, you're back to zero again. You haven't got the skill set to sort of recover. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Someone said the same thing about the voice, actually. They said it's interesting. Yeah. Of all the people that have ever won the voice, they really haven't gone anywhere. They just no. haven't. No one's gone anywhere. And it is, as you said, because there is something to be said about um we we talk a lot, you and I said about mastery and mastering your craft. Yeah. You can't do that overnight. You can't do that in a boot camp of two weeks. You just can't. No. That is just not going to happen. Um so but it's good to say tell that to people because yeah. I think expectations are that it can happen quickly and we're and you're always sold that. I know it's the same with comedians. They spend yeah. when you hear people talking, it's like, yeah, I spent twelve years on the road. And that's yeah. like, no, no, that's what you have to do. Twelve years yeah. Yeah. of summing it will eventually give you the kind of wherewithal to make it as a success on Netflix. You can't and they say a lot of people come through YouTube but you put them in a club and they fail because yeah, it's like, well, you haven't yeah. done that. You haven't done the right. Yeah. And I think that gathering and that, and that breadth and depth of experience is really important. Um, you know, I don't think sometimes it takes, it's funny. I don't, time is, is relative. I don't think I, what I'm not saying is it's something you need to build up over 20 years. I think I remember, I always used to say this when we worked in advertising, I used to say advertising years are like dog years because actually you gather so much more experience in a very short amount of time because you work on a breadth of clients because the, mm. the, the and so there's all sorts of ways you can gather that experience and depth and breadth of experience fairly quickly, but it, not in a two-week um, manufactured, contrived scenario. No, you can't. And actually, even if you do get catapulted, and this is what this is the really sad thing actually is that if you get catapulted to the top so quickly, or, and this is the same for any business. So it's the same thing. I read an article about people that early stage startups are now starting to turn down VC funding because it accelerates their growth and progression in a way that yeah. they want and beyond, and beyond before they're ready. It's not healthy growth necessarily. It's, it stimulated artificial growth. And then when it's artificial growth, you then crash and burn and the crash yeah. and burn. And then coming back from that crash and burn, 
takes you much longer than maybe if you'd have actually built and grown sustainably um, versus having that artificial injection of stuff. Now, it's not to say I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not recommending startups get kind of funding from everywhere. It is. It's just you need to be sure that your business is ready and resilient for it. And that's a judgment that you can make. And it's exactly and that is it's funny. It's the same thing as the X Factor. You know, if you get people that have been touring for years and then they just get discovered, they have that. When they get to the top, they're kind of ready. They've got their, they're ready. They know what a live, um, they know what a live performance looks like and they're just waiting for an opportunity. That's different to taking yeah. someone who isn't ready and just trying to just push them because they burn brightly and then they'll just flame out. And And that's just yeah. really sad. It's really sad. And when you were, I mean, I also think it's important. So that, like you said, it's good to have a group of people around you. I think mm. that's, that's, you know, to to act as a kind of sounding board and to, to revive your confidence when it's low. And also you were sort of saying, so when you were developing that resilience and being knocked back, I want to talk a little bit about how that felt, but also what, 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 what were you saying to yourself in your head in order to try and have, for example, when I read the, I didn't read, I listened to the, Kevin Hart autobiography mm. and he had this thing about he calls it a shoulder shrug and so whenever he had a setback he would just shrug it off and he yeah. like, that's fine because of the way he'd been brought up by his mum it was quite she was quite strict but it was kind of like it's gone you can't do anything about it move on and he said so when he got like a, a pilot and he was commissioned the show and he was filmed it and everything and then he just said no we're not going to do it and he thought that was his big break and his agent told mm -hmm. him he was like oh well on what's the next thing and yeah, the agent was like yeah. oh my god you took that surprisingly well because that yeah. was great and he was very much no no what's next i haven't got time to dwell on it and that resilience mm -hmm. and consistency is kind of how he was able you know he's a global superstar now but I do, I do think that's important so how did you develop that resilience and what were you saying to yourself well my my um the resilience i think do you play the Rocky theme tune when you're? Yeah, no, mine, mine is much sillier actually. Well, there's two things. I'm going to tell you a very silly one, but it was in my very first agency um, that my lovely friend Kate and I. And it's funny actually in advertising because my time was not the happiest, but also I've got some really good relationships from that time. And one of them in my first agency particularly was Grey, and uh, you know we joined the group of grads and. I remember, and one of my friends, um, Kate, I had uh, like one of my first, very first early experiences of the kind of, uh, I don't like you, you're too young. I don't like the fact that I'm now having to speak to you as an account person. And I had this client that was horrible, very bullying towards me, absolutely awful. And, you know, yeah. coming out of uni, I just wasn't equipped to deal with this. I didn't understand it. Um, you know, we'd get into meetings and she'd lie about things I was supposed to have done that she'd sent me that she just wouldn't. It was awful. And this was in the first six months of my career. Anyway, I remember just one day going upstairs. Uh, so going. So I was working on one floor and I had two friends, one that worked in new business and the other person was a designer and they were on the top floor of the agency. And I just went up to see them and I was in floods of tears after a meeting. I held it together in the meeting. And was like, I don't know what this client's saying, but you know, I held it together in the meeting. And I went upstairs in floods of tears and I didn't know what to do. And my friends were furious, but they were like to me, right, from now on, and um this client's name, um, I'm gonna change it slightly, because although I can't say her surname, I won't say her surname, I don't remember her surname, but even so it's quite an unusual name. Her name was Millicent. Millicent was her name, right? And uh, my friends were like, right, oh, they're so mad. And they're like, from now on, we're going to call her Mildew. We're just going to call her Mildew. And that is my coping strategy, is when people are awful to me and I have yeah. to shrug off 
the horrible things or the, the not true things they're saying, even if they're framed not in that horrible bullying way, but in a, a nice way of you're not ready or you're not strategic or, you know, perhaps in whatever that is, I just give them a really silly, horrible name in my head and it just takes the sting away from their feedback. And I still do that. I've done it ever oh, since wow. I've been working for 20 years. And that that's one of that's one of the coping mechanisms. The other one is, um, you know, I've learned to be it, and that's it's one of the, one of those things actually building, I guess, the resilience. I've also learned to be quite objective about things. That's been hard, yeah. not to take things personally as something. And through coaching, I've I've had help with that. But to sort of in as you would in strategy, interrogate the situation from different angles to say, okay. You know, you can't control this, but what can you learn from it? Um, and what could you have done differently? And if the yeah. answer is I could have, you know, magically become a different person, then, you know, OK, I can't do anything. But if there is something you can do, then going, OK, I could have done that. Fine. I, I will. I'll take that on. The thing I can't accept. I'm going to call them a really silly name so that their their personal feedback doesn't it doesn't have the same sting. Um, and then um, and then, yeah. And, and then just going home to my family and going it's not fair and them saying yeah. don't worry Cole and and then sort of that the combination of those three things and I think in all seriousness I think the humor bit and being able to find a really silly way to sort of make it feel better I think the support of loved ones but then also that objectivity of going okay you must be able to learn something from this even if the learning is don't take on that's don't don't trust don't trust that individual again or whatever it is or yeah. normally the learning is okay you know for me sometimes the learning might have been in my younger career it might have been about attention to detail it could have been around making an assumption and yeah. these are hard lessons like to learn and, and ones that other people probably learned gently I had them learn harsh but they're still really good lessons so, you know, don't make an assumption or, you know, don't make an assumption or assert something. Ask the question. Ask the question. Even if you think you're sure, just ask the question. These sort of things, you know, when you take a step back and go, OK, could I have learned from this? They it just it, it's quite a, it's quite a useful thing. And it's something that yeah. I've kind of done. I think, yes, yeah, so like you said, having a cooling off period of kind of. Yeah. So I don't quite hate them as much as I did. But, uh, yeah, I think it's 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 dangerous. I was speaking to a friend and she was dealing with a client and they were really mean and they were quite difficult. And she was so kind of upset and flustered that they were accusing her quality of work mm. that she's, you know, questioning, am I good enough for this? Should I just mm. be like working on my business? It's not fair. And you do need that kind of, no, no, you need to look at the positives yeah. and form clients and friends because yeah. you don't want – Sometimes that person is just a bit of an asshole. It's yeah, like somebody goes sorry. And goes into a restaurant and they're looking to try and screw you yeah. before they've even eaten true because that's story. their agenda. So you've got to go, well, sometimes it's, you know, it's okay to say, you know, I did my best. They were just an ass. Yeah, they're awful. But it's fine. And, you know, you just think, well, you're horrendous. Sorry, I can't do anything about that. Yeah. But you don't think, you don't go, you're horrendous. I'm super angry. I'm going to hold a vendetta for you and screw you over the same way you screwed me. That is just not helpful. Neither do you go, you're horrendous, but there must be something wrong about me. They, they, you know, they're the two extremes. You don't, you just go, okay, you're horrendous. The other thing, but my business coach said this to me um, last summer, which was really helpful. And I'm going to take, we'll try and do that this year, is that she said, it's also useful to be curious about it. When you hear something, it's to be curious about, okay, what would that look like? Like, or so particularly when you're dealing with bad clients and they're trying to dictate something to you and you're like, Ugh, that's going to be awful. It's going, okay, cool. Let's, I just, I'm just curious. What would that look like? And just start exploring it. 
Because what yeah. it helps you find is a way of, it, it just helps you maybe find a way forward. Curiosity is another really good way of looking at things and sort of takes that heat out of it too. Mm. Um, and so that's, but they're all different, you know, that it probably that isn't quite a resilience one. It's probably quite specific to black black clients, but it is uh, useful as well. It's another useful um, sort of tactic to use. But I think that's again, it, like you said, it's. I think um, as always, there has to be an element of hard work, and you got to keep you picking yourself back up. And I think having a coping strategy yeah. is really important. I think it, it's that behind the scenes. Like if I go home and I need to deal with something yeah. to get me through it, then that's important. So I wanted to touch on that because I think it's because you said you've had to overcome more than most, and I think it's very hard. It's a balance of um, you could have, because you knew what the reality was. You could have said well this is not to do with me and i'm going to find an excuse to, for why i'm being overlooked that's out of my control yeah. but i think you're honest enough to go it you know so like being being a black woman in that industry is a, is a factor but i'm not going to allow that to be my thing of just blaming everyone because that's it i'm not going to play that card yeah. i'm going to go okay it's a factor i have to overcome but i've got to develop strategies to overcome it and coping mechanisms when it's yeah. not going why well and also i think what was shrewd was knowing when to get out yeah knowing yeah. when you know what this isn't working here i've got to be bold enough to leave and move on and as you were saying you went from agency side to client side which was interesting because yeah. like you're the worm that's turned and the advertising yeah. agency can't get away with doing vanity project work to <laughs> yeah. win awards yeah you're call them on it. Go, no 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 yeah. this is not some sort of other more bullshit that you're trying yeah. to pull on me yeah. and then from there you've so you've started your own business now because yeah. i'd love to get into a little bit about that and I, the two things that i think you're fantastic at is, is obviously brand strategy and personal branding and i think those are two things mm. I'd love to cover. so when it came to starting brand by me because that's i mean you've been very successful you've grown you've got a small team now and you've mm. been winning mm. awards so how was that starting that making that leap from kind of you know be working for someone else to working for yourself tell us a little bit about that i so it's always the same driver that's caused, I guess, the two two main shifts in my career, agency client and then client side to setting up my own thing. And it's about um, being in control of your own destiny much more. So when I moved from agency to client side, I was like, the thing that really, that beyond all the kind of the industry being hard stuff, fine. But the other thing was, actually, when I am an account handler, if my clients say, I want to make our logo red and put it on the side of the building, there's not really much I can do about that. That is, it's their brand. They can do that. They, they can do that. And I, so I moved clients. Like, I thought I, do, I want to be the client, the one saying, and making strategic good decisions, obviously not doing the same bad decisions, and, you know, some clients that I had made, but, you know, the good strategic ones. It's kind of the same when I came to set up Brand By Me. I thought, I didn't think, I was, took, I was like looking at this, I was in a role where, you know, I'd loved it, I'd, I was at a charity, which I love charities, and I love the role of brand within charities, but I, you know, I'd rebranded this um, charity, we, I had then worked with uh, one other person to help them develop the organisational strategy, there were two of us leading that, and as a strategist, that's gold, right, in-house, yeah. and it's something that's so, those two things, in-house, are kind of big moments, like, getting to lead a global rebrand and getting to do a new organizational strategy as a strategist now, I've gold on my CV. Yeah. Got to the end of those, wanted you know to move up as a result of those, wasn't really getting anywhere. So I decided, I just took a career break. And I, but after I said like three weeks into that career break, I came up with the idea of Brand By Me, which was about 
um, I guess, two things. One was creating a high-level brand strategy and brand consultancy offer that can deal with the really complex um, challenges that organisations have, Yeah. but maybe doing it in a way that is more affordable for medium-sized, smaller and medium-sized organisations. So big yeah. clients have big budgets, get big, great agencies. If you don't have that, it, unless you, you are networked, which I was. So when I was in medium-sized organisations as the client, I got the big agencies like BBH. But normally people don't have access to that. But no. you kind of, there's times when you just need a Wolf Owens, a BBH to help you with your thinking. And so, yeah. so it was I going, I'm going, but I have those skills. So I can probably not offer the, the skills of a whole agency, but I can offer that in some way for these smaller clients on their brand, brand challenges. Um, so there was that. And then the other thing going, and this is the reason it's brand by me, is that it's not brand, it's not Colette, Colette Philip um, sort of brand. It's brand by me because I really loved when I worked with particularly Wolf Olins, I love the way that they partnered the strategist to the specific business challenge. So they were when you worked with the team, depending on what your challenge was as a client, they put together these lovely teams, really high function teams, but all very different from each other with different experiences, different takes on strategy. So uh, as a as a, working on one brand, my experience of working with Wolf Olins was, to, and I worked with Wolf Olins at two points when I was at EE, but then again when I uh, was at the animal charity, I worked with Wolf Olins, and the experience and the strategy team was it just was different but in uh, both brilliant and it was so bespoke yeah. and I love that and I think that's because the joy of strategy is that you know there's some core cool, but actually as strategists we all do it individually based on our experiences and perceptions and strengths and that's what the brand by me is about is over time what I what I've been able to do so far is as well you know whilst being the lead strategist I'm able to bring other um, experts into the business and work on projects in a way that kind of give, brings out their me. So you get, so, you know, on a certain product, on a certain project, it'll be a, a combination of like me and you, for example, we have worked on something together and that was brilliant yeah. for that client. It worked really, really well. On another one, it will be someone else. And, and, and it just is that, and that was the me. And so in terms of how I found it, well, because I was always looking to sort of, it was a step that allowed me to sort of maybe have more agency over my career and, and my life. I've loved yes. it. I've loved it. I, it's, I can't pretend it's, again, been easy. But, you know, my, my, my career to this day has not been easy. But the difference is every single aspect of an element of work I put in to Brand By Me just comes back to me like 500 times. Yeah. And it's lovely being able to, when you have your own business, you can try stuff and you can innovate even within your field. So I'm able to do stuff. I'm able to learn about strategy and push it in different directions and sort of bring things together in my own way because yeah. that's what my clients are coming to us for is like brand by me strategy if they want to go someone else they can do and they do have that option and sometimes they do but that's the, that's the kind of the joy of it really um so it's been yeah I think that and then the flexibility of running your own business has just been quite a joyful transition for me honestly I, I've really yeah. loved it loved it and it, I'm glad it's going so well. And like you said, this thing is you, you're you're at the top of the tree, so you can only keep you know it can only keep growing and improving. You're not looking for approval or to be knocked back by other people, yeah. which is really rewarding. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is. It's it's nice. I mean, it does. It's funny. It does come with responsibility. The whole Spider Man thing is totally true. I read a really, and I know you like him too. Seth Godin had a blog post the other day with that saying the Spider Man thing is quite spot on. And and actually, he said he applies it to life and even politics. Is that 
people want the power and maybe the yeah. agency not willing to take the responsibility. And so yes. it's the same thing for me now and for you running our businesses in that um, you you do have that power, but you also have responsibility to your clients. So if you're telling them, yep, I've got, you know, this is my breed of strategy and it's going to deliver impact, it needs to deliver impact. And you, you are yes. responsible for that. You, you can't get away from that. There's no, you can't blame your boss or the agency or they didn't invest. Well, there's no one to blame. You can't blame anyone. That's on you. It's on you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's true. Like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of, you can't, also you can't think about it because it's quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, and also, because obviously another big part of your business, and I think this is valuable with the audience, is, is the power of the personal brand. Mm. And I do, yeah, I've, I've asked, been asked by people to help develop theirs. And, and I'll be frank, it's kind of something I'm, I'm very new to, and I'm kind of looking into it. And I have a, a vested interest in asking you about how you develop yeah, yours, yeah. just because I, I do believe it's kind of, it, it's such a valuable thing. And I think a lot of people uh, talk about it and they under, they overpromise and underliver on what they do yeah, for people. Yeah. And the cynic he says, I've seen so many personal branding kind of workshops where everyone's stuff kind of looks the same and is quite generic. And yeah. I'm a little bit, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's, it's all very nice to kind of do your own business and have your own name in, you know, handwritten fonts and yes. greens and whites, and it's all quite clean and minimalist and it looks fantastic. But I do think it's also terribly generic and I'm a little bit cynical and a bit like, well, I don't believe this is enough. And um, so what I would love, and I think would be, you know, cause you've done it, I'd love your take on, personal branding and then just breaking down kind of things you do when building a personal brand for a client and maybe some takeaways yeah. people can do yeah. to, to make, um, enhance their own personal brand because I yeah. think moving yeah. it's, a, it's a key component to being successful yeah uh, and you're right and, and for exactly I was the same as you until I thought the nonsense of personal brand I thought personal brand was nonsense because of the nonsense that's out there about it and also Frankly, the people that they hold up as great examples of um, personal brands are horrendous. So you're looking, they people, I saw this article in Ad Age, Donald Trump is a great example of personal brand. I thought, yuck. Okay, well, that's that's me and personal brand done. Or the yeah. Kardashians, oh, they have a great personal brand. Yuck. Sorry, that's not what this is about. So I really struggled with it. And I and as a brand strategist also, there's a kind of sneering superiority of I like, I do proper brand. Personal brand is not that. However, yeah, yeah. kind of had to get over that because actually the concept of having and building a personal brand is invaluable and it's really useful. I, just to clarify, I don't actually do that anymore for clients, or I don't at this stage. I do run workshops for people I like and yeah. for brands I like on personal brand because it's such a crowded space and there is so much nonsense around it. And actually my... It, yeah, it's, there's such a crowded space. I don't, but I do have a an experience in doing that. So um, I guess the way that I approach personal brand is exactly the same way that I approach branding for charities or yeah. businesses or anything. And I think that's the key. And it starts with strategy, unsurprisingly, not branding and fonts and headshots and and social media profiles and and claimed expertise. So yes. So when I approach personal brands. Uh, with personal brand or someone where it's a personal brand rather than a brand brand and when I do this in workshops we work through um, we start off and we look at purpose because that's everything because ultimately exactly the same as for an organization 
if you personally are not clear on why you what you're in the world to do or why you exist or um and you haven't really understood or broken down your purpose into the three elements of what you're great at what you're passionate about and what makes you stand out that's that side of it and then why the world needs that and if you haven't really worked that out actually you're just you're not going to be building a meaningful personal brand exactly as you're not going to be building a uh, a meaningful brand in any way so we, we either you'd start there and help people explore oh, sorry, that all those those four points again just run that by me um, so you know if you break down per like you did like you break down purpose so purpose is yeah. the intersection of what makes you special and yeah. why the world needs that and then the what yeah. makes you special bit has got three elements to it what you're great at not just good but great um yeah. what you're passionate about because otherwise you won't have the fire to keep it going and also, what's different about that? Because if it's the same as everyone else, exactly as you pointed out, it just ends up being super generic. So that's yeah. what purpose is made up of, as those kind of, it's sort of two elements, but then one of the elements has three sub-elements of it, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. And so, and that's the, the same for um, a business, is the same for an individual, that understanding that purpose. And that can take some time, and it takes some interrogation. Yeah. Then... Um, we would then you look at personality i guess is the other thing and actually yeah. i'm going to come back on this i'm going to talk to talk about maybe the four elements of personal brand and then i'm going to come back and talk about the order i do it in if you're in the workplace versus if you're setting up your own thing because it's different mm-hmm. so you've got purpose you've got personality which is how you do stuff in your own unique way um like a brand personality so that's about the attributes so thinking about you know maybe when you've done great stuff how have you done it and what is it that stands out? And then finding some really interesting and differentiating words to describe that. Um, so the most common words that people use when I first start working with people on personal brands, the ones that come up are friendly, professional, fun. They're the same for normal brands. They are not interesting. Yeah. And so you it's not so you can't be friendly, professional, or fun. It's just on their own. They're one, some of them are kind of givens. They're also not interesting. But if people yeah. say them versus other person versus some people I've said on personal brands say, oh, you can't say any of them, they're generics. I go, no, you just can't express them in that way. If you're saying that your personal brand is about being professional, you're presumably not telling me you're paid to do it. You're telling me there's something about the quality and the mastery of what you do that means you stand out. So we have to interrogate what that means. Why? Why is it? What is it about that professionalism? What is it? And then there'll be something within that that actually is the personality trait that they're coming across. Yes, you should refine it down to a more yeah. ownable reason. Yeah, exactly. And and it's the same thing. And it's about understanding your own personality and then also thinking about the ones that you want to be known for and make you stand out. So you highlighted, you said uh, at the beginning, I think, that like I'm always super honest um, and that's yeah. true. And that's part of my personal brand. It is. It always has been. It, it used to work against me when we worked in advertising because people would be like, well, you're a bit bit too blunt but actually i i don't think you you i i one i have possibly learned to execute that differently i guess um so i've learned to maybe you know maybe i was i i remember i I remember finding an email i'd sent i don't know how i think i I copied it and sent it to my personal email i found it like five years later and i sent it to i don't know um the the senior person on my account at that time and I looked at it and I nearly I nearly fell over. I was like, I cannot believe I said this to someone senior. It's not that I was wrong, but the way that yeah. I'd expressed it needed some hard work. So there is something around understanding that characteristic, but also understanding how you can maybe deploy it as a strength and yeah. help stop it working against you as a negative. So that whole personality piece is really important. 
values are a massive part of personal brand and understanding your values and understanding how they um, sort of come across in a professional sense. So your values, you know, we all have them and they are in a personal sense, just anything you value and you hold dear. In a professional sense, it's the kind of the non-negotiables when it comes to work. Yeah. And those, and they, they should be non-negotiable. So you'll have loads of values, but there are some that are your non-negotiables, the ones that you would, if someone, even if someone offered you like a million quid, you just wouldn't do because it's not your values. Or if somebody yeah. said, you know, the one where you do something in, for free because it totally is living up to your values and understanding what those values are. And they're no, no more than, as we know from, you know, doing um, actual professional brand stuff, business brand stuff. Yep. You should have three or four values. You don't have 10, 15. You, have, you can have those loads of those, but from a personal brand, you identify, again, you prioritise a few that are your non-negotiables and you know what those are. You'll know what those are yep. and you look back at your career and go, what are the times where you've really bumped up against someone or you felt super uncomfortable or were the times where you felt like you're thriving because everybody around you just feels like a light mind and what are the, what are the values that have been, you know, what are the qualities what are the, the attributes that are being kind of met? What are the needs that are being met then? And that helps you get to your values. And then the final one is vision. Um, and vision is exactly the same as, again, the way I work with organisations. Your vision is what the future looks like if you are successfully delivering on your purpose. Um, yeah. And vision is really useful from a personal brand point of view because it helps you uh, set yourself up for success. It helps you be strategic. It helps you work backwards and set your goals. All of those things are super useful. Um, yeah. So that, so I said to you like when we were talking about it, purpose, personality, vision, values are the core of a personal brand. And then it's about yeah. applying them. When I work with people in – so there's two things that shape – so I do a lot of personal brand. I do it in a workshop scenario. So I do it with for, for whether it's for nonprofits or for women's organisations or whatever. When I talk about personal brand, it's normally in a big kind of workshop scenario. Yeah. And there are two things that drive – so if I'm doing it for a group of people – where they are still in the workplace, they're working for employers, the bits we yeah. focus on are um, personality and values. Because in a workplace okay. scenario, they are the core of your personal brand. Purpose is really useful, but in your workplace scenario, your, kind, your career path is kind of a little bit set by where you work yeah, you and what you're doing on the side. So it's more about how you stand out and make sure you're doing stuff that is operating within your values because that's going to how, how you're going to thrive within the workplace. So we might look at all four of those, but we're focusing on personality and values. Also, if I'm working with really young people, so if I'm working with people that are like, say, 16, 18, up to sort of 24, we also focus on personality and values. I show them and talk about purpose and then I give them the exercise and I say build it over time because, again, purpose is something that evolves over time. It's not something you do. And when you're younger, you might not have a clear sense of what that is and you don't want to nail it down and define it, but you just want to have yeah. a sense of the territories that you're working within. Yes. So again, we might focus on personality and values. If I'm working with individuals that are doing their own thing, entrepreneurs, freelancers, or doing it in that setting, you know, then it's all about purpose and personality because purpose and purpose is the biggest driver. Purpose, purpose, and then purpose into vision because that will help you with a strategy and then personality. Okay. I do talk to them. I say to them values, but they'll know them. And I'm like, just make sure, just remember your values and use them as non-negotiables in your business. We just talk, we just, we'll talk about that very briefly, but I'll focus on purpose and personality more. So depending on who you're working with, you'll, you'll focus on different aspects of that, those four working together yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously, yes, if you're working for someone, 
there's a limit to what you can do. And again, if you're working for yourself, there's there's no limit to what you can do. So it makes sense to sort of dial up and down yeah. the value on each. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I love that sort of that that, that quad of it's very simple as well to follow. Yeah. And then the other thing, so once you've got that, because that's yeah. the definition of personal brand, you then use that as a lens for all the other definition, the, all the other decisions you make. So in terms of thinking about, um, okay, if this is your, so, you know, then you look at the other sort of who your audience is. That is, you would do for brands. So you look at who your audiences are, as in who are the people that can help you and who are the people you need to reach? And then you go, where yeah. are they? And then if this is my personal brand, how can I, how can I help these people understand it and where do I need to be to do that? Yeah. And what are the channels I'm going to use? Um, and it's funny, with the channels, you can do one of two things. You can either hang out in the places you love and hope you'll find your audiences within it, or you can yeah. go to the places where they are and work really hard to demonstrate your personal brand. And I'll give you the specific example of LinkedIn versus Instagram for businesses, yeah. right? So actually, a lot of people, for me and my own business, I love Instagram. I really do. But it, I'm not going to find my medium-sized organization clients in, in on Instagram. I will find them in LinkedIn. Yes. I really, really, like everybody, have a love-hate relationship with LinkedIn, probably erring on lots of times the hate aspects of it. But I do have worked, I've worked on how to make LinkedIn, how to demonstrate my own personal brand through LinkedIn to find my voice yep. within it, to identify opportunities and use it in a way that works for me. Um, and yes, that's what I mean. personal brand, once you have that framework and you understand sort of who you are, as a personal brand, you can then work out how to deploy it. And that's what it comes down to. The thing, um, what I would say, the, the bit I will uh, give you a little bit of a shout out at this point, because quite often with my personal brand clients, obviously the bit I'm not an expert at is social media at all, by any means. Or, or sort of, but I often use, you know, your social media playbook that you did, your like free download. Oh, I God, use yeah, that yeah. a lot because it's really powerful. Once people have developed personal brands, lots of the content in there it becomes very powerful then. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah, I know. I know you do. <laughs> it's, it's that one of the you do it yourself and then you forget about it. But I do. I refer people to that all the time because actually once you've done the personal brand bit and you've asked those questions and looked at what it means for your business and your audiences, those sort of tactics are very useful across different channels um, for start helping people start out with social and how to get on with it. Yes, because, yeah, social is tricky, isn't it? Because it yeah. can, like Instagram is kind of um... – it's very easy to get kind of quite addicted to it and all the notifications, but but yeah. how you always have to question how much time you're spending on it and how effective that is is actually bringing in business, especially yeah. with algorithm changes and everything. You're yeah. very vulnerable with it, but it's good fun to use. I agree. But it's fun, isn't it? And and I th but I think the other thing is with any channel, it's about how you make it work for you. And I, and the answer is to beat the answer. Look at Facebook, right? Look at Facebook. What are, and you know, God, and you are you you're doing this as well in terms of Facebook obviously personal Facebook, whatever, and business pages are like, you know, don't get seen by hardly anyone. So what are people doing? Yep. Setting up groups. And groups are where you are able to get business and connections and, and have a joyful, brilliant experience of a group of like minds. So, you know, regardless of what Facebook want you to do on Facebook, people are finding ways to use Facebook in ways that work for them. But then yep. that's about understanding, I guess, and that's where the vision bit of your personal brand comes in. Because if you're not clear on that vision and you're starting to set up a group and do this, you don't even know why you're doing it. So ultimately, purpose yeah. and vision come into their own in that case. If you have a clear purpose and go, okay, now if this is my purpose and this is my audience, what are the channels that are at my disposal and how can I make them my own and how can I do it in a way that's going to be enjoyable and also not a massive time steal? Yes, and that, that balance of picking a channel, which is, yeah, because it's tough because you can go with stuff you enjoy and that suit you or where you find your audience. And I think that's always yeah. a, a, a tough one, isn't it? Because you've got to kind yeah. of work out 
I don't want to be on LinkedIn all day looking at kind of um, the humble bragging of proud to be involved with and uh, it's an honor to be mentioned with and all this kind of and there's people liking their boss's comments but you know it's a different kind of thing so that makes a lot of sense yeah no it's cool and I and I think the other thing with social and someone said this to me as well is actually you just limit your time on it so I know some very successful uh, CEO who runs an amazing women's network that is across like now two continents and she says I spend 15 minutes a day on social media and that's it. And I go yeah. in, do what I need to do, and then I bounce out. That's it. Um, and not on all her social media, but she said, it might be 15 minutes per channel, but that's it. And I spend yes. 10 to 15 yeah. minutes and that's all I do. And then that's it. For me, one of the things I've done, I turn off notifications. So I go yeah. in and look when I want to go in and look. I am not yes. bothered by then whether people have liked whatever. That's not That's not what it is. I've turned yeah. off notifications and therefore I can just opt in and go in when I want to. Um, yeah, I think that's very helpful, helpful. Um, for me. Yeah, no, that, that, I think the notifications are what drags you back in. It's very addictive yeah. to kind yeah. of like just check in and see how it's doing. So, no, that's great. And I guess, um, so for anyone kind of uh, looking to try to develop a stronger personal brand and sort of further their career, what would you be kind of w- words of wisdom or sort of takeaways to round out the podcast? What would you be sort of saying? Because I think you've been through, you've, you've led that journey, you've seen what works, what doesn't. So, I think I would say um, the two things is really think about your personality traits that kind of the ones that make you stand out. So, and and it's funny, even before setting up my own business, one of the best interview questions and the one that actually helps me, even if I didn't call it personal brand, really think about my personal brand in the workplace was it describe yourself in three words. And he said, just describe yourself in three words. If you have to describe yourself in three words. And he said, "Ah." and then after I'd asked that, he then said, how would your mates describe you? And I used different words, but it was really useful exercise to think about it in that way. Those just those three words. And I think I said, um, I said vibrant. I said quite vocal. And I said, laughs a lot. And I know that third one is three words in its own right, but that's what I said. And, and the guy looked at me and went, yeah, um, I think that's you. And then I I got that job and I loved it. That was the EE and I was brand strategist. And it was my only ever job I've done as a brand strategist. And I loved it. So I got a job I loved and I stood out by being vibrant, bit vocal and laughing a lot. So, you know, that sort of thing is really important. The other one, I, I guess, is navigate your career by understanding your values and being don't be afraid to walk away from stuff that is just not in your values. Even if you can't do it immediately, um, have an exit plan. And the other thing is gravitate towards stuff that is really going to help you um, sort of fulfill and, and thrive in your values. Even if you have to take pay cut or for, to do it, just find a way. Because I, it was one of, when I obviously to work, to go from, move from agency and being like a global account director to work at Bernardo's, I had to take a pay cut. I had to. And that was just the best thing I ever did. And it's just so important. So, and, yeah. and even, so as I said, so even though I rejected and thought personal brand was a nonsense, I think throughout my career, I've really used my personal brand as my anchor to really steer me in the way I want to go. And that's the biggest advice that I can give. Like really understand the strengths of your personality and don't be afraid to showcase them at work and really use your values as a way of navigating your choices that you want to make. Yeah, no, that's lovely. That makes that's very nice. Like you say, it's kind of it's an easy to follow plan because you've given us the tools to build that personal brand lens. And then, as you said, it's kind of, it's, it's using that with every career decision you're making and reflecting is this a good fit for me is this going to be lead me to sort of where I want to get to and no that's lovely yeah. so thank you yeah that's great okay great
Cool. Well, thank you for your time. And if people want to follow you and uh, stay up to date with what you're doing, so um, um, yeah, go on. where can they get hold of that? What, what what's all the so uh, my blog is at brandby.me. Um, and that's our yeah. that's our blog, I should say, as a business, because it's not just mine anymore. You're here. I, I'm still, you know, three years in and still kind of the my we is sort of new. But it's yeah, that's our blog. Um, we are at brand by me HQ on Twitter, which is a new account we've set up. And then I'm at brand by Colette is my personal account. And I'm also at Brown by Colette on Instagram. Uh, but you'll just see it's a bit random what you see on there, to be honest. So, but it's, it's good fun because Instagram is fun. So I, also, you might see brand tips one day, pictures of my dogs or me in a dress that I like the next. Who knows? Uh, so that <laughs> might be worth it um, at Brown by Colette as well. That's it. Cool. No, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Colette. I really appreciate your time. No and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, lovely. Thanks a lot, Dad. Take care. Cheers, bye. See you. Extra. Extra. It's the one day.